church this morning, a scripture kind of came upon me that has to maybe do with everything I'm talking about today in Proverbs chapter 2. And it's found in James. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And it's awfully easy just to hear the word of God on a Sunday, especially we're talking about wisdom. But if we don't do what we hear, we're deceiving ourselves and we make it invalid. So my prayer, starting with me, all the way through everyone sitting here in the auditorium today in this worship center, is that we would not only hear the word of God, but we would make some adjustments as we leave this place today. One day when my kids were smaller, I asked them a question. I have four kids, and I said to them, uh, what would you like to do when you grow up? What would you like to be? And one of them said immediately, I don't want to be a preacher. <laughs> kind of snapped me to attention. And I said, you don't want to be a preacher? Well, why wouldn't you want to be a preacher? He said, I don't want to have to get up and yell at people every week. <laughs> so I got to thinking, hmm, I wonder what he thinks that I do every week here. So I had the privilege to tell my children what I do every week when I stand up there. Hopefully it isn't yelling. And today I want you to be very, very clear as to what I'm doing up here when I preach. Basically, I have one goal every time I preach. It is life change. That somehow when you hear what I have to say from the word of God, you will do something a little bit differently than when you came in. Now I'm thrilled if you like to hear the word of God preach. And I'm thrilled if you learn about the Lord. And I'm thrilled if you feel better when the sermon is over. And I'm thrilled if you want to tell somebody to come to church because there's a good sermon. You know, I'm happy about those things. But that's not why I preach. The reason I preach is that there is a thus saith the Lord here. And then when you hear that, you obey his word. And so we're here for adjustments. We're here to do things differently because God is speaking through his word. Is there an amen out there? Yes, God wants to change us through his spirit each week, that little change. Now, how does life change happen? Basically, it happens when we receive the wisdom of God. There's so much worldly wisdom out there. I have my own kind of wisdom, and that falls short of the Word of God, and I've got friends with wisdom, and that'll fall short of the Word of God, and there's this wisdom in the world out there that we hear that's very conventional in columns like Dear Abby and those kinds of things, conventional wisdom, but that's not the kind of life change wisdom that will affect it. It's when we hear the wisdom of God from His Word and do something about it that we are changed, and when we put that wisdom into practice, it changes where we live, where we work, where we play. So we're in this ongoing study of Proverbs for the next number of months. And the interesting thing is this. Chapters 1 through 9 seem to repeat itself over and over and over again. Get wisdom. This is wisdom. Get wisdom. This is wisdom. Get wisdom. This is wisdom. And after a while, you start to think, well, how many times do I have to be told in nine chapters to get wisdom and this is what it is? Well, Solomon knows what he's doing. He knows that we're all slow learners. He knows that we have a lot of junk that we have in our thoughts and minds that he has got to get rid of. He knows that we forget a lot and we have to be reminded weekly about these kinds of things. So he comes at us. He pummels us with please get wisdom. And once again, here we are in chapter 2. 
Almost a repetition of chapter 1 because we need to get that message that the wisdom of God is what transforms us and it's so difficult to take it in. There are so many competitors out there, so much to dislodge in our hearts. So today, we're going to see that for those who are thirsty for wisdom, God will give it. And he invites us again to receive wisdom. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read the Word of God in honor of the Word. And so would you stand as I read Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you don't have a Bible, it is in the Pew Bible, page 528. You can use that as a reference point for the rest of the sermon. And if you don't own a Bible, the Bible in front of you, that Pew Bible, we'd love for you to take that home as our gift for you, that you'd have something to read and treasure as the Word of God. And so Solomon says, and God speaks through him, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. You may be seated. And now I have the privilege to yell at you. <laughs> want to share God's wisdom with you. Let me review what wisdom is in the book of Proverbs. It's so simple and so profound. Wisdom is skill at living well. That's all wisdom is, is that you learn to live well. And what is living well all about? It's the knowledge of what good and evil is. And you become skilled at knowing that's not God's way. This is God's way. And when you come down the pathway of life and you have to make a decision over and over and over again, you opt to do God's will, God's way. That is skill at living. That's wisdom. Knowing the difference between good and evil and choosing to do what is right. And that's the umbrella of wisdom all the way through Proverbs. In our text today, then. As we get back to this invitation for wisdom, here's the big idea. Here's what the text is all about. If we diligently seek for God's wisdom, we'll find the knowledge of God and reap the benefits of wisdom. So if we are going to diligently seek God's wisdom, there's going to be a reward. We'll find the knowledge of God, reap the benefits of wisdom, and that's what this is about, verses 1 through 10. And so we're going to see two aspects today in this sermon. Number one, I'm going to talk about searching for wisdom and that there's effort on our part. And if we make that effort, then God's going to do something. He's going to give us a reward for seeking. And today I want you to see the search, and today I want you to see the reward that God will give when we seek wisdom with all our heart. So the first aspect then is the search for wisdom. And getting wisdom, I want you to understand, requires considerable initiative on our part, verses 1 through 4. The text is clear. If we are going to get wisdom, we have to do something. We have to search for it. We have to show some effort. 
It is a huge mistake to think that wisdom will come to me just because I received Christ as my Savior. Or just because I'd like to have a boatload of wisdom, it's going to come to me. Or just because I go to a good church, it's going to come to me. It doesn't happen that way. You've got to put your heart and your soul in an effort to find that wisdom. You've got to display before God that you are interested in his mind and in his heart for him to disclose himself to us. So verses 1 through 4 tell us a little bit about the kind of effort that we need to make in order to get this wisdom. So how do we search? Well, the first way is that we must listen to wise counsel. Now, I recognize that in the Bible, and particularly in Proverbs, you can read the Bible and get a lot of wisdom from the Word, and God designed it that way. But He also gave us a delivery system. He gave us people around us who've lived life, who've gone through some difficulties, who've made some good decisions, who've made some bad decisions, and God has put those people in our lives to help us in our search for wisdom. So we have the Word of God, and we have people that God puts in our lives. Now, what kind of people do God, does God put in our lives to help us to learn wisdom? Well, He puts pastors and mentors and elders and teachers and Christian authors and friends and uh, parents. This matter of parents is what Solomon is talking about today that God has put this great system of moms and dads with younger people that they might learn wisdom through moms and dads. And so here we have Solomon talking to his son, his children, and saying, I want to teach you about life. In verse 1 he says, receive my sayings and treasure my commandments. In verse 2 he says, listen to the wisdom and open your heart to understanding. Doesn't this make a lot of sense to parents? (laughs) Children, I've lived longer than you. I've been in the Word. I've received Christ as my Savior. I go to a good church. I've had some hard knocks in life. And I am willing to give you some of the knowledge of the Word of God so that it won't be so hard on you. Makes such good sense to moms and dads. But that's not exactly the way it happens, especially with teenagers. Children have a harder time receiving it. And sometimes the teen years are the least likely when people are willing to listen to the age-old voice of wisdom from mom and dad. I've discovered there's a little progression that goes with growing up. When you are a preschooler, you think your mom and dad knows more than anybody else. And then when you come to elementary school, you think your teachers know more than anybody else. And then when you get into high school, you think your peers know more than anything else. And then when you get to college, you think you know more than anybody else. And then all of a sudden, something happens in your 20s and 30s. You realize that mom and dad knew more than you ever gave them credit for. How I wish that we as as teenagers would know that mom and dad know a lot more when you're a teen than when you're in your 30s and you think they finally caught up with you in knowledge. But be that as it may... Even though God knows and Solomon knows that it's hard for children to take advice and get wisdom, God didn't abandon his plan. God's plan throughout the ages has been, I'm going to give children moms and dads. And those moms and dads are going to be called upon to live the way of wisdom in front of their children and then to teach them formally and informally what life is about. And the children will learn from mom and dad. And Solomon is making this appeal. Don't shut your ears and your eyes from your parents. Gain wisdom from your parents because God has put them there. And so I say to you moms and dads, how are you doing? 
Are you living a life that's exemplary before your children? Are you modeling well? And when those teachable moments come in life, are you willing to step up and say, son or daughter, this is why things happen this way. This is what you need to learn in this situation. Moms and dads, are you mentoring your children? And young people, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to believe that God knew enough that when he gave you the parents you have, that along with them would come some wisdom from your parents and from the word of God that can help set your course for a lifetime? Because if you mess up early in life, there's a lot of recovery time that is so needlessly lost. Well, the first thing that he says here, when you search for wisdom, it's got to be by listening to those around you who've already gotten more than you've gotten. And they are such a wealth of information and power to learn this wisdom. But he goes on. In verses 3 and 4, he says, we must actively chase for wisdom, no matter what our age, whether we be 50 or 15. There needs to be an active search. We never retire from that. We never take a back seat in easy street on wisdom. We step in there. We have to keep chasing it. This world is so complicated in which we live. And here he says the kind of wisdom, which is kind of synonymous, but yet different in nuance, now he's saying, cry out for insight and understanding. Wisdom has insight and understanding. And so I want to share with you what it means here in verses 3 and 4. When you raise your voice, it says, and cry out for insight and understanding. Insight, what is that? Basically, insight means discernment. Insight and discernment mean the same thing. And insight and discernment is nothing more than the ability to decide between truth and error and right and wrong. It's the ability to think biblically about all of life. And if you have insight, you can say, ah, that's not good, or ah, that's the way it ought to be. And you have now this discernment to go back and forth between what's good and what isn't. That is in itself a great gift to have. But then it says, just don't cry out for this discernment to know the difference between right and wrong. It says, cry out for understanding. Understanding is similar to discernment, but here's the difference. Discernment learns to figure out what's right and wrong. Understanding means now I know why God says it's right and wrong. You come to understand why it makes sense that that's wrong and that's right, and this is truth and that is error. And we come to the understanding that God knows more than we do. And that we are basically missing a lot of insight and understanding as we're naturally wired. So Solomon says to his son, cry out for it. Make it a priority. You need wisdom. You need insight. You need understanding in order to live life that pleases God. And there's an urgency about it. And so you cry out. But there's also a priority in verse 4. And he says, you should value insight and wisdom like you value earning your paycheck. It says you ought to value insight and wisdom like silver and hidden treasures. Now you ask yourself, what do most people in America value? Well, they value happiness, and happiness is also often tied to wealth management. And so people who are happy if they have a lot of money, they think. I'm happy if I've got a lot of things. And Solomon's saying, okay, if that's the way life is, if you think that silver is going to make you happy, 
then you search for wisdom like you search for silver, and I guarantee you, Solomon says, you will be happy. You'll understand the true meaning of life. And so there's a priority that we must value with passion wisdom at least as much as we do our paycheck. If not, it won't come to us. So verses 1 through 4 have one main message. It is to get wisdom, we must be aggressive about it. We just can't sit back. It won't come to us. We've got to step up. We've got to take effort. We've got to listen to those around us who understand wisdom. And we've got to make an effort to cry out for insight and understanding to know the difference between good and evil or it will never happen. And so the search for wisdom. And I'm asking you as I ask myself, every day, do we get up and search for it? Or do we just put life in neutral and just kind of go with the flow and get into the world system of things? And Solomon says, that's not good. You need to search for the wisdom of God every day. But then he moves on. And he says there's a second aspect. Aspect number one is the search for wisdom. You've got to go after it. But aspect number two is there's going to be a reward if you you search for it. And so the second main point in the text today is this. Aspect number two is the acquisition of wisdom. You're going to get it. Why? Because God himself will reward wisdom seekers with a clear understanding of who he is and of the benefits that come with what God gives when you seek for wisdom. And so God wants us to know in the text today, if you are willing to seek for wisdom, God says, I'm going to give the wisdom seeker a reward. I'm going to give him myself and I'm going to give him some other benefits. And so this is really neat. I want you to see what God gives, that full package that he gives to people who are willing to search for wisdom. Number one, God will give us a clear understanding of himself. How many of you want to get to know God better? Yeah. Many of you are raising hands. That's good. Yeah. The way you get to know God better is not simply through a personal relationship with him, although that's the first step. It is by finding wisdom. And when you chase hard after wisdom, you will not be disappointed because God says, I'm going to give you an understanding of who I am. Look at verses 5, starting at verse 5. If we chase after wisdom, we read that we'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, God will clearly reveal himself to us. And if we search for wisdom, God says, the first thing I want you to see is who I am, how I think, how I operate, how I want you to think, and how I want you to operate. Now, the people who don't seek hard after God, I I just want you to hear this and make sure you understand it. The people who don't seek hard after God, even though they might be in a church, will never come to a deep understanding of God. They will never come to a deep understanding of the fear of the Lord and the understanding of God. They will not find him and that. And so several weeks ago, we talked about the fear of the Lord. And he says here that if you'll search for wisdom, you will get the fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, many people, as I said a few weeks ago, think that the fear of the Lord is, ah, he's awesome, and he is to be revered, and that's part of it. But the real fear of the Lord is that we come to the realization that God is dangerous. That if we put him to the test by our sin, he's going to take some action, and it won't be pretty. It's called the discipline of the Lord. And that's a fearful thing, Hebrews says, the author of Hebrews. is that It is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the Lord when we sin. 
But look what else we get in verse 5. Not only do we get the fear of God, we understand that he is a loving force to reckon with. Verse 5 says we get the knowledge of God. We get to know him intimately. We get to know him at a deeper level. And I grew up in an era, it's not so much these days, an era when in church after church they would preach on the deeper life. And it's my hope that you would want to go deeper with God. How do you do that? It is finding wisdom in the Word of God. Now, if you don't get a deeper understanding of God, here's what's going to happen. Your opinions and your ideas will construct who God is. And that's one of the problems we have in America today, even around the world, is that people don't get into the Word of God and search for wisdom, but, oh, do they ever have ideas about God and who He is and who He isn't and all these kinds of things, and they create God in their own image. And that's why there's such flaky thinking out there in theology these days. It's because we don't know God. We've created Him the way we think He is. And that's not the way He really is. I want you to know there is no true knowledge of who God is apart from his personal self-disclosure from the Word of God. And he won't let us truly find him unless we search for wisdom. Now, I love what Solomon says here in verse 6. How do we find out who God is and understand him? He says, from the mouth of God. He tells us who he is. When we search for wisdom, seek for wisdom, then God gives us from his mouth who he really is. Now my question is, what is the mouth of God to us? Well, there's only one answer. It's the Bible. The word of God. This is the mouth of God to us. And when we seek wisdom in his word, he speaks to us through his word. And we have this clear conception of who God is through his mouth. And so when we accept the sayings of the Bible, we search for God in the word of God. We begin to see God who he really is. We begin to see who we really are. We begin to see what the world is really like from the mouth of God, his word. So I want you to hear me clearly. The search for wisdom is really a search for God, the source of all wisdom. And when you go into the Word of God looking for wisdom, God says, I'll show you wisdom. It's me. And his mouth speaks forth who he is, how he thinks, how he acts, what he wants from us from cover to cover. He gives us wisdom, and he gives us the knowledge of himself. Well, it gets better. Not only does God give us a knowledge of himself, he gives us other things. And so that takes me to the second point today under what he gives us a reward. Number two, God will give us a rich supply of wisdom along with protection. Now, I don't know about you, but I plan to live 75, 85, 90 years, and I need wisdom for all those years. And what he's talking about here is that he's going to give this wisdom as kind of a storehouse. He's kind of got this warehouse of wisdom in the Word of God. For as long as you need, as much as you need, He will supply all the wisdom you'll ever need. It's there. And so He tells us very, very clearly in verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and it will last a lifetime. But verse 7 continues. Not only will He give us all the wisdom we need, Verse 7 says that God is a shield 
to those who walk in integrity. And so when we walk in wisdom, we walk in integrity, God himself will protect us. And do you want to know what God will do to protect us? He'll protect us from ourselves. You know, the biggest problem in life isn't somebody else out there. Do you know who it is? It's you. It's me. It's ourselves. We're the hardest people to manage. And when we don't manage well in wisdom, what happens? We hurt ourselves. And we hurt others. But God says, if you're willing to walk in your integrity, I will take the arrows. I will take the brunt of pain. And you won't hurt yourself like you would otherwise. Because I will be there making sure that you walk in the sweet spot of wisdom. It's awesome stuff. And so the Lord rewards the wisdom seeker with protection. And all the knowledge you will need for a lifetime. Is that a good deal or not? Okay. Let's move to the third thing that God will give those who seek wisdom. It's found in verses 9 and 10. God will give us a clear understanding of moral values. Oh, do we need that today in this world. If you seek for God's wisdom, he'll give you an understanding of true moral values. Look at verse 9. It says, when you really search for wisdom, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. What's that saying? If you will seek for God and his wisdom, he'll show you the difference between right and wrong, truth and error, good and evil, and how we need to have good moral values in this country because we're missing it. Even in the church, good moral values are very hard to come upon sometimes. And that's why it's so important to search for wisdom early. Because the sooner you understand the difference between good and evil, the easier your life will be and the less mistakes that you will make. And so if there's something we really need in today's world is the knowledge of the difference between good and evil. Because most of the time, people are not buying into the scriptural mandate of good and evil. They're buying into something else we call relativism. Relativism basically is this, that there are no moral absolutes, and that people set their own moral standards according to their own personal preference and opinions rather than the authoritative standard of the Word of God. And not only that, people who set their own standards, when they look at somebody who abides by or subscribes to an authoritative standard in the Word of God, they look at those people as intolerant, judgmental, and bigots. So there's a battle going on out there. But God says, regardless of what the rest of the world thinks, I want my people to know the difference between good and evil. I want my people to have good values and moral understanding. But it's not often that way in a lot of churches across the, the America. Poll after poll says that we kind of live our values like the rest of the world. And so let me just move to one example of many. I want to move to this idea of moral values in the things that entertain us in America. And so there are TV shows and movies and magazines and music and advertising, all that kind of stuff. And when you look at that venue, when you look at that genre of things, one thing you're going to notice is a, a great lack of the knowledge of good and evil in those areas. In fact, when you look at sexual mores in entertainment, they're basically abandoned. They aren't there. And today we live under the philosophy of what Debbie Boone sang back in the 70s. 
And she sang in that one song, it can't be wrong when it feels so good. See, the values are all messed up. And so we have a lot of Christians that don't have moral discernment. And polls by George Barna and others will look at how Christians live their lives compared to how the world lives their lives. And the conclusion after poll after poll is that there's not much difference in how Christians view right and wrong than how the world views right and wrong. But when we chase after wisdom, I want to tell you something. In this avenue of entertainment, God's going to open your eyes. And you're going to see things that all of a sudden make sense to you that this is a show I shouldn't see. This is a movie I shouldn't go to. This is, a, this is music I shouldn't listen to. Why? Because the themes in there are wrong. They're anti-biblical. And they're not going to help you. They're only going to hurt you. So that when you search for wisdom, God begins to open your eyes to what's right and wrong, even in the entertainment industry. So let me give you a little tip. This has happened to me countless times. And even as a pastor, you would think that maybe somebody would be a little bit more discreet with me. But they'll come up to me and say, oh, pastor, you got to see this movie. This is really an awesome movie. And so um, you go out there and you take a look and say, oh, my goodness, what, what, why would they ever go see this movie? It's full of skin and, and, and uh, swearing and all kinds of things in here. And, and, but they said, oh, it's just so great entertainment. Do not listen to people who come to you with an entertainment point of view rather than a, a values point of view because they're going to put you in the wrong direction. And so what I end up doing is we have a dollar theater in Erie. And so if I have to walk out, I only lost a buck. But I want to keep my values intact. I don't want to go down that road. In fact, you know, some of you just need to turn off the TV a little bit more. A lot of the stuff there is not good for you. Even though it may be funny. Even though other people may say it's critically acclaimed. Even though people might say, well, this is the 21st century and I hear it at work in time and I hear it at school. What's the difference? When you make statements like that, you've already revealed that you're losing your ability to discern between good and evil. And so it's so important, even in our entertainment, to watch out what is going on. And so verse 10 says that if you'll search for wisdom, you'll get the, know the difference between right and wrong. And it will be good to you. It will be pleasant to you. You'll, you'll be excited about living life from this point of view. And you won't feel like you're being gypped and that other people have the good stuff and you're just stuck with nothing. You will have pleasant understanding of what is right and wrong. Now, I want you to see where the battle was first lost on this business of what is right and wrong. And the difference to understand that, that moral values. Goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember Eve was there and Satan came and said, you know what? You'll get to know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, if you just eat that fruit. And God doesn't want you to know the difference between good and evil, so uh, go ahead and eat it and you'll be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And so she did. And she understood the difference between good and evil and it was bitter. Fast forward to the 21st century from Genesis chapter 3. Now Satan has everybody almost eaten forbidden fruit, and it's just like, you know, candy and everything. But here's what they've lost. Eve wasn't sure she should have eaten the fruit. Today, it doesn't matter. But when she ate the fruit, she could tell the difference between good and evil. Today, we have no clue between the difference of good and evil as we eat the, the, uh, the fruit that's not good for us. And the problem is, now we're calling good evil and evil good. 
That's how far we've come. And God is calling his people to a higher standard that we would understand the payoff for the search of wisdom is the ability to clearly see the practical difference between right and wrong, which is the evidence of a changed life. And so we've seen in aspect two that if we search for wisdom, God says, I will reward you. I will give you myself and a deeper understanding. I will reward you. I'll give you protection and all the wisdom you need for the rest of your life. If you search for wisdom, I will reward you. I will give you the ability to know the difference between good and evil so that you can make the right choice. And so I go back to where I started today. Why do I preach? I preach for life change. I preach that you and I, when we're done a sermon, will say, you know what? I have to make an adjustment. Now, we went to Philadelphia this past week for Thanksgiving. Had a wonderful time. But you know what? My wife moved in such a way that her back went out. And so she was in pain on Tuesday and Wednesday. And what did she do? She went to the chiropractor for an adjustment. And she felt so much better. And Solomon is saying, you know, we live life in our own wisdom, and we think what's right and wrong according to our own standards, but when you understand true wisdom, you make an adjustment. You make a change. And then God begins to minister to your heart in a much deeper, profound way. And so I believe the spirit of wisdom has been speaking through me to a number of us today. And what about an adjustment? Let me give you four questions Who among us today is hungry for God's wisdom and willing to search for it? Who among us today is willing to say, I'll listen to the voices of wise people around me? Who among us is willing to make getting wisdom as important as anything else we treasure in life? Who among us is willing to set aside our own wisdom and the wisdom of this age for the knowledge of God and true intimacy with him? That's what it's going to take. For God to give us his wisdom and its rewards. And so I'm going to ask you right now, before we come to our baptism, to bow with me. And just to review in your own heart, are, are you needing to make an adjustment today? For what you've heard, are you needing to make something different as a change in your life? Would you bow your head? Father, and so we take inventory before you. Are we really seeking wisdom as we would seek money Are we really seeking after your heart as we seek for wisdom? And God, are we willing to make the adjustments that we need to make once we understand what understanding and insight is all about? That it's really talking about coming to the place where we're willing to adjust our lives to figure out the difference between truth and error, right and wrong, evil and good. And Father, if there are adjustments we need to make, starting with myself, to seek for wisdom of this kind so that our lives will be transformed to be in the image of Jesus Christ who is wisdom and who is righteousness. That that search for wisdom might again be more deep today and that God, you helping us, that we might want to meet the conditions of searching for wisdom so that you yourself can give us yourself and this deeper knowledge of you and how to walk with you. And I pray that we would be taking courageous steps, Father, as we search for wisdom, as you give us of yourself. And I pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Go after wisdom, for when you do, you go after God.